from 1011 Now and the 1011 Studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is the End Report Podcast. Welcome on into the End Report Podcast. My name is Bill Shammer, joined as always by Kevin Suits. Kevin, I asked you the generic question about five minutes ago. How was your weekend? And usually people say, oh, it was good, nothing, nothing big. And then I, you said eventful. Yeah. Eventful, huh? Yeah. The, it was eventful on the Husker front, too. Personally eventful because uh, when you're trying to play spring sports and spring weather does not cooperate, there are a lot of schedule adjustments. I will say, though, uh, Saturday we had ball games rained out for the boys. We got a day together as the family. And that was Which nice. Which kind of rare. We went to dinner. For a coach and all, a person yeah. who works 2 to 11 every day. We went to dinner, all five of us. Like, sit down. Not just drive through Culver's or We're gonna give grab a something. We're to wherever this was. Who hot? Okay. Oh, oh. oh now we got a story to jump into here. <laughs> so, the deal with our family is anytime we do, like, the college football bull pick March Madness, yeah, everybody fills out a bracket. The winner in the house doesn't just get bragging rights. That person gets to choose where we go to dinner as a family. Can I guess who picks who hot? You can guess who picked who hot. You. No. Kale. My wife. With the support of the children. <laughs> okay. I won the bracket challenge though. I kind of, con- I, I kind of conceded because I didn't really have a burning interest to go to any specific a uh, place to eat, but there have been a couple opportunities we had been invited to go join others at Hoo Hot, and we've had to say no. So uh, Saturday, schedule was clear in the evening. We went to Hoo Hot. We went to Monster Jam. Have you ever yeah. been? Oh, we go every year. That's another part of my eventful weekend, Bill. I got to hear about your experience. Uh, but for, before we get there, I take my boys every year. And because of the eventfulness of my weekend, we had tickets for the Sunday show. Well, we had a baseball tournament on Saturday, which was postponed and moved to Sunday. Uh. I couldn't go, but we had four tickets for Monster Jam on Sunday. My wife got to take my youngest son. She had never been. She always heard about how fun it was and would always see the pictures. So my wife got to take our youngest on Saturday, or on Sunday, excuse me, and she had a blast. How was it for you? I took my three-year-old, and just as a dad, watching those moments, your kid just is wide-eyed and has no idea what's going on, but he just sees all these cool big trucks doing flips and wheelies. It was, it was awesome. How about the intermission? I heard the intermission was amazing. Yeah. The, inter- the halftime was they uh, motocross. Yeah. So they had, uh, yeah, had these dirt bikes doing backflips and all this stuff. Yeah, it was great. They put on a heck of a show. Uh, but I suppose we should talk. Uh, no, first I have to ask. Oh, okay. Because okay. We, 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 who was who your son rooting for? Which monster? Oh, truck? he, well, you know, he's three, so he goes by colors. <laughs> and uh, his favorite color right now is orange. So he was going for El Toro Loco. How which El my, Toro my Spanish Loco is a do? little rough, but I believe it stands for the crazy bull. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, he did uh, good. I think he got like second. So what about you? Special Forces Ops was yeah. my son's choice. Ended up winning. Yeah, they won Saturday night too. Yeah. So he's got the even like the plush little uh, monster truck, which it's kind of like a pillow, but it's really not comfortable to be like lay on or anything like that. No, do they have the headphones? Did, did your kids wear the headphones? Oh, no. 
No. Did the foam foam sticking earplugs? Which, foam sticking earplugs. Which you All can right. get at the hardware store for about a penny. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how well, effective they were, but yeah. Okay. So we can get through that. We'll do. A, it's not Mad Libs. What's it? Yeah, maybe is it Mad Libs or Pick Your Adventure? You remember the Pick Your Adventure books? Do we want to start with Draft Mathis or the news that dropped today? NCAA investigation results. The choose your own adventure. Yeah, choose yeah. your own adventure. Uh, we're just going to go to the biggest news for today. Yeah, I believe. it's 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 the biggest news, and it's honestly not terrible news for Nebraska. Well, you knew there would be something on this front. If you remember, this dates back to when um, Scott Frost and Trev Albert stood side by side in that press conference back during uh, the fall of 2021 in which the NCAA announced they were investigating the Nebraska football program. It goes back to the uh, an allegation of an improper use of an assistant coach and staff member, or using a staff member essentially as an assistant coach, which would have been beyond the maximum 10 full-time assistant coaches. Jonathan Rutledge was somebody that was serving as a special teams analyst for the Huskers, and this would have been two years ago. So this was during uh, the pandemic season. Um, now that the investigation is complete, it, it, there have been some penalties that have been handed, on, handed down uh, on Scott Frost and the Nebraska football program, the biggest of which is probably a five-game suspension and a $10,000 Five-day five. suspension. Yeah, what did I say? Game. Oh, five-day. No, no, five no totally not a five-game. Yeah, here's, here's a quick rundown of the list. Uh, we have this up at 1011now.com. One-year extension to the current probationary period. That goes through next April. $10,000 fine. One-year show cause order for the football head coach, plus a five-day suspension from all coaching duties during the season. A reduction in the number of football countable coaches by one for two days of practice during the spring 2022 season. And all non-coaching staff members will be removed from practice and competition for five consecutive days during the championship segment of the 2022 season the thing that is not listed on this report and that was not uh the ncaa did not release anything about remember they were also being investigated for holding improper workouts off-site from the university of nebraska campus during the pandemic there's nothing that has been written or handed down in terms of, of a punishment of that so i think nebraska is clear of those charges you think this was more of a you know like in the court they strike a plea deal this is more negotiations I don't know that it is a negotiation or any kind of like compromise between the NCAA and the University of Nebraska. Trev Albert said that they were going to comply and they would do whatever the NCAA, uh, you know, they were going to fall in line here. They weren't going to be too, uh, I don't know what the correct word is. They were going to challenge it too much. They were going to stay in line, let the due process play out. And uh, this is what we have. I do have a couple of questions regarding Scott Frost's five-day suspension. We've, the first thing that popped into my brain was Nebraska has two bye weeks this year. That, that's where I'm going with this. Like, when is this going to occur? If it's during the bye week, you know, they take time off during the bye week anyway. Or does it have to happen during fall camp? From what I've learned so far, the five weeks have to be during the season. During the season which also include during season would also include during preseason once they start preseason camp. But it seems like that's a very large window for Scott Frost to have to serve a five day suspension. So you're basically going uh, the last week of July all the way through the end of November. So does Nebraska get to choose the five day span? Because if that's the case, 
you know, then obvi the obviously obvious choice would be do it during the bye week. Or does it have that, to that come? That was my thought, too. And I feel some people I've heard mention, you know, do it during fall camp. I think there's too no. much to get done during fall camp. Maybe by that second bye week, you're, you're self-sufficient enough and your assistant coaches are self-sufficient enough to take it that Totally don't use it during, the fall, during fall no. camp. Because that's when you're welcoming some of the new players onto campus. You know, there's the transition. Coach is getting to evaluate the, the freshmen, the newcomers, the transfer guys, which we'll get to that in a few minutes. There's so much from a culture standpoint, from a evaluation standpoint, and then also just continuing the momentum that was built during the spring. You got a first time starting quarterback that's going to be taking snaps mm -hmm. for the Huskers uh, this upcoming season. So, I don't. I think that would really throw a little hitch in the giddy up in terms of Nebraska football's momentum into the 2022 season. And plus, with Nebraska going to Ireland, you know there's going to be travel that's going to be pretty unique. You're not just going a couple of days before the game. They're going to travel maybe a week before, maybe four days before, uh, and that's going to shorten that window in which they can practice here in Lincoln before going to Ireland. And that's a week zero game. So everything is so expedited and moved up in terms of the football schedule for the Huskers in 2022. I think using the five-day suspension, I could understand the premise of we're just going to get it done and over with so we don't have to have our season interrupted in this fashion some way during the fall. But I really feel like the Illinois or Northwestern, excuse me, the Northwestern game is so hyper important to the season that they can't mess with it. And also the fact that uh, the Ireland travel changes the schedule. And that's where I, I just think it's strange that the, the suspension is out there, but yet there's some uncertainty as to when it's going to Ambiguity. happen. And if Nebraska gets to choose when it is, I think that's a little funny too. Uh, I mean, I, what do they say in, in journalism? Don't assume, but I would assume Nebraska gets to pick. This was, the, uh, this was the quote from Trev Alberts today. This is, this is really all we've heard from the athletic department. Quote, I am appreciative of the diligent efforts of our University of Nebraska staff in working to bring this matter to a close. We have had outstanding collaboration with the NCAA, and I want to thank the NCAA staff for their time and professionalism through this process. It is important for the Nebraska Athletic Department and football program to put this matter behind us and turn our full attention to the upcoming season. We are pleased with the outcome and believe the negotiated resolution is fair and equitable. And Nebraska, we are committed to running an athletic department that is fully compliant with all NCAA rules. That's from Trev Alberts, Vice Chancellor and Director of Athletics. You know, when I, when I read this quote, one of the first things I thought of, and probably because a, a, a few people posted it on Twitter, was just a still image of Alberts next to Frost during the press conference when they talked about this. Yeah, that was an, an interesting setting. Um, man, I got some heat, because I, I posted a video of them sitting next to each other, and uh, I, I posted it on social media, and there was some blowback that I received of, uh, we're reading too much into this. But I think that, you know, just as an objective journalist, I just noticed, you know, you talk about being in a tense situation, the air of the room, that's what I kind of remember about that day when they came up. Because even Trev said, Scott, stand right there. And it was basically like Trev is in charge. Scott is the one that is being investigated and is kind of dealing with some serious issues. Yeah, here. absolutely. And, you know, Trev had only been the athletic director at that point in time, what, four months, five months, something around that nature. Um, 
And so this is the first time that there had kind of been a black cloud. Well, not even. It was like a, a few weeks. What was that? I don't even remember. Because it came the out in, in early August, late July, and he was signed that's, on in that's July. Right. Yeah, yeah. It would have, it, he was hired in July. So it would have been a shorter time frame. So Trev, you know, only a few months into his tenure as Nebraska's athletic director, has to face the press, deal with this situation, and then also manage the people that are involved here, Scott Frost being the primary player. Uh, and that's a tough spot to be in. You know, you just, he's still trying to get, you know, some structure in place and get an evaluation of the athletic department. And now all of a sudden, he's got to deal with an NCAA investigation. Now, I think Trev did a tremendous job that day. But as you mentioned, that photo and, and just that setting, it was only about 15 minutes, the press conference in length. Um, but, Hierarchy was established in that moment. That's a great way to put it, Bill. You could tell who was in charge, and you could tell that Scott Frost, just by his disposition, his body language, that you know he was not comfortable. And you, I, I don't know if shame would be the correct word, but he was. <laughs> his boss is having to answer questions about things that happened while he wasn't his boss. Right. Right. It's a very complicated situation. As we close this up again, I I, I think Nebraska comes out on top here. Trev Alberts says that. Uh, that they are happy with the outcome. The biggest thing, Coach Ross has to miss five consecutive days during the season. Nebraska doesn't have to forfeit any wins. Not that there were a whole lot to forfeit anyways. They don't have to forfeit any wins. They have to pay a $10,000 fine, which in an athletic department budget is pretty minuscule. Assistant coach, or uh, non-assistant coaches have to miss two days during the season. And then, boom, you put it behind you. You know, and all of the jokes that I'm sure you and I have already read, you know, ever since this came down earlier on Monday to now, uh, they cheated and they won three. Like, it's just lazy. Yeah. You know, it, it's that's the low-hanging fruit, and a lot of non-Nebraska supporters are taking that. You know, it's, it's course, not John, funny. Jonathan Rutledge no longer part of the program. Bill right. Bush now in charge right. as it's, a full-time coach. I would even teams. say that the people that are making that joke, they're not fully informed on – you know, the timeline, the people that, uh, that are in play here, it's, I don't know. I just re have read some of those comments and just kind of shook my head at them. Let's move on to the NFL draft. It was the most successful weekend for Nebraska uh, in six years. Most picks since 2016. They had three taken. Cam Jurgens and Cam Taylor-Britt both went Friday in the second round. Nine picks apart. Jurgens to the Eagles. Bengal, uh, Taylor Britt to the Bengals. Did you hear uh, Kelsey, the Eagles starting center, of course, yes. you know, one of the all-time greats, talk about Jurgens, that the Eagles had looked to him to basically find his replacement mm -hmm. for the past couple years, and Jurgens was the best center that he had seen in the draft. And Kelsey said that Jurgens' style of play reminds him of himself. Right. I mean, that's some pretty high praise. I, I value that praise a little bit more than any coach or any NFL executive just heaping praise on their draft pick. This is a guy that has been in the trenches for years, an all-pro, and for him to set out and evaluate offensive linemen across this 2022 NFL draft class and pick Cam Jurgens as the guy that most like looks like him on film from a college standpoint. I mean, I think that's pretty high praise. And can we can we say Scott Frost was right when he told Cam Jurgens, "I think you're gonna make a career in the NFL as a center." When he was a tight, tight end, end, D end, and in, in high school at Beatrice. Yeah, Cam could have probably played any position on the football field, 
even in high school, he played running back uh, when he was an underclassman. And then he moved to tight end. And, um, you know, it was a big deal. Nebraska getting Cam Jurgens one, two, finding a way for him to get on the field, and three, moving him to the middle of the offensive line. Because I think that that decision uh, was met with a lot of skepticism at first. And there were a lot of fans that knew about Cam Jurgens' just athletic prowess, you know, playing multiple sports, being a track standout. Um, but look at Heck him now. Thrower. They were they were able to transform his body, teach him the position, and now he's a second round NFL draft pick. That's uh, you know he's going to be on the Eagles roster, the fifty three man. The roster. only center that went a, went ahead of him, Tyler Lindemann from Iowa, who was an All American, the Remington Award winner. Exactly. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, nine picks later to the Bengals. If you haven't seen the video put out by the Bengals, of course, uh, head coach Zach Taylor, former Husker, calling Cam Taylor Britt, and then at the end of the video. You know, somebody else looks at Taylor and goes, you've got your Husker. Yeah. Our Nicole Griffith caught up with Cam Taylor Britt 20 minutes after this all happened. Here's her interview. First question, you just got the call from the Bengals. What is going through your mind right now? Honestly, you know, I'm just ready to work now. Uh, I just needed the opportunity, and now that I have that, you know, I'm just ready to let loose and, you know, actually, you know, get back out there on the field. Did you uh, talk to Zach Taylor, uh, the former Husker coach, and um, oh, yeah. obviously different times, but uh, different generate for you guys. But um, what was it like talking to him and getting the opportunity? Yeah, it was great, honestly. That's when I went on the top uh, top 30 visit. Uh, we talked, you know, a good little bit, you could say. Uh, you know, first question, you know, conversation was about Nebraska. And we stayed in that conversation for a great, you know, time. And, you know, I, I'm so glad that, they picked me, and, you know, honestly, I'm lost for words because I'm still in the moment, but I'm very excited. You went second round, 60th overall. Did you think you were going to be a second round pick? Yes, ma'am. You know, I have faith in God, and, you know, I let him work his magic, and he did what he needed to do, and, you know, that happened. I'm so grateful. And we know your mom and your family and your friends are all huge supporters. What, what does yeah. this moment mean for you, your family? It's just we've been talking about this since I, you know, very first started playing football. You know, I used to promise my mom the world and I didn't have a, a dime to my name. And, uh, you know, just the opportunity to be able to, you know, look out for my family in the near future and, you know, just generations after me is, you know, that's what it's all about. And, you know, I finally did it. And um, is it, do you have a favorite team growing up um, or is it is it Cincinnati now? Nah, it's Cincinnati now, but most definitely uh, I never – Really had a favorite team. I was always just a football guy. Uh, just any game that was on, I cut it on to get to watching it. You know, it's always been that way. What do you want Cincinnati, um, the, their fans, and them them to know about your style of play? You're gonna get this physical DB that's gonna come in and wreak havoc. Um, we'll come in and you know be that special team player that's gonna go hard every play, and you know solidify myself as that rookie that you know that they drafted. They drafted me for a reason, and I plan to come in there and show them why they did. Is this a dream come true? Almost oh, definitely. Like I said, it's still surreal right now, and I'm, you know, trying to get through it, but I am. Awesome. Um, are you celebrating? Are you in? Uh, where are you? And we're actually uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, right now. Perfect. Yes, got got friends and family with you. Yeah, they're all upstairs. We had to come downstairs. It was very loud, so we had to come down here, you know, away from the party. Perfect. Um, anything I'm not talking about that you want to hit on? I wouldn't say so. You know, just very excited and let them know that I'm coming, man. You know, the juice is going to Cincinnati Bengals, baby. <laughs>
There you go. Thanks, Cam. I appreciate it. No Good problem. luck. And, Thank you so um, much. Uh, go Tigers, right? Go. Okay, then you know it. Who day? You know it. Cam's personality shining through right there, of course, as always. You know, one of the pictures framed up at, at our house is Theo last summer um, after the Nebraska road race that the football players always do, uh, talking to Cam Taylor Britt and just joking around and CTB giving him knuckles. I mean, I don't know a Husker fan who, who, who doesn't appreciate everything he did, not only for the fan base, but for the team. Uh, just a good dude. Always smiling, isn't he? Yep. And this yep. is a guy that he could have come back for an additional season. And remember, if you rewind, you know, he decided to come back for the 2021 season. There was even the possibility of him going pro uh, prior to last year, but he decided to give it one more year. And I think that was the right choice for him. I think he improved his draft stock. Because he guarded a lot of, we talked about this last week on the pod, Bill. Uh, he guarded a lot of really talented wideouts in the Big Ten last year, and uh, he shut most of them down. And I think that his tape spoke for itself. Then he did very well at the Combine, and I think he interviewed really well. I, I would assume that when Cam Taylor Britt went on all these different NFL visits, executives probably were very impressed just with his personality. You talked about like mm-hmm. how he just has a just positive energy. Yeah, and I'm sure that there was that's a big part of the decision for the Bengals to take him at number 60. Our boss is happy. The Packers drafted three wide receivers. Uh, Samari Toure being the 31st, seventh round, pick number 258. Uh, and then a slew of undrafted free agents. I asked you last week, do you guarantee that the Huskers oh, get three man. picks? And you said yes. yes. You, you're going to bring you this said up, huh? Yes. But you said JoJo Doman, and he did not get drafted. I am shocked. I still am shocked that JoJo didn't get You were get right, picked. though. You were half right. They got three picks. Well, yeah, I, 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 when I said, when I said three, I was pretty adamant that JoJo Doman was going to get drafted. And if you were watching the draft on Saturday, JoJo was the number one available player, uh, according to I think it was Mel Kiper and a few other folks that had the top available players. He was number one. He sat there like throughout most of the fifth round, sixth round, and then seventh round. It was just like anyone take him. He's well, yeah, he's a player. You I mean, know, he's a little bit older. But especially, and you, we talked about this with Cam Taylor Britt, but you have to believe when JoJo Doman got in an interview with a head coach that he shined, let alone his tape. Yeah, because he, he plays multiple positions on defense. You could use him in the nickel. You could use him as a linebacker. You could play him as a safety. Uh, very well connected to the NFL. So he understands just the climate of the NFL. And he had a really good six seasons of college football. I don't know why he didn't get drafted. I still don't quite understand that because as guys got drafted ahead of him, especially when some of the teams rolled up, you're like, oh, they need defensive help. Get a versatile guy like Doman, and they didn't. Um, There were a lot of offensive linemen taken late in the draft, Mm -hmm. a lot of, I don't want to call them unknown offensive linemen, but there were some guys being selected from some uh, less than popular schools. Uh, So, the, the good thing about Doman is he lands on a team, and secondly, you know, as an undrafted free agent, I don't believe JoJo Doman only had the Colts as his only option. He, no. He, he probably had a, over a dozen teams reach out and say, listen, we want to offer you a contract, and then he gets to choose where he wants to go. Other undrafted free agents, Ben Stilley to the Dolphins, Austin Allen to the Giants, Jante Williams to the Seahawks, Damian Daniels to the Texans. Um, we, of course, wish all of these guys success. If you had to pick one of the five 
undrafted free agents, who has the longest NFL career? That's a great question. Longest NFL career? I'm going to go Damian Daniels. Okay. I think that I'll go Damian Daniels. I think that he's, you know, this, the, the Texans are in a spot that they probably just need bodies, especially bodies up front. If he can stay healthy, um, Damian Daniels going down to Houston, I think that's a pretty good spot for him. Uh, and I think that he is still, look at his progression as a football player. Like, he got noticeably better over the past couple of years. Now he's going to get NFL coaching. I could see him really accelerating in terms of his improvement. Carving out a nice space for himself. Yeah. And, the and then, you know, the Texas play three technique. So he's going to have an opportunity to get on the roster just as, you know, there's teams don't carry a bunch of guys who play his position. So he's going to have an opportunity to make the roster. If he gets on, I think he can hit. I think I like JoJo for the simple fact of versatility. I think he could shine on special teams right away. And then I think if teams need to carry an extra outside linebacker, they need to carry an extra safety. I think he could fill a variety of roles on, on defense. Special teams, I think that was a key point you just made, Bill. You know, if, if you could play special teams, you can play in the NFL for a Stanley long, Morgan. long time. Look at Stanley Morgan. Uh, Cody got a Glenn, new contract. You know, another Nebraska. Like, Cody Glenn was a running back at Nebraska. Then they moved him to linebacker. And then he played in the Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts. Why? Well, because he could play special teams. He's just a really good athlete. So I, I, like, your, I like your pick on Doman for this fact of special teams. All right. We're talking about really good athletes. Should we talk about this one? The other big news of the weekend, O'Shawn Mathis, the transfer from Texas Christian University, picks Nebraska over Texas. Surprised? Nope. It's a whole new world out there, Bill. Nilbraska comes Nil into Nebraska. play. Name, image. Yeah. Texas is the richest program in the country. You're telling me Texas couldn't put out a nice nil offer for O'Shawn Mathis? I think Nebraska has something figured out here from name, image, and likeness because now they, they just grabbed the best pass rusher on the college free agent market. I say that with air quotes. And they also did the same with Casey Thompson. So. Uh, name, image, and likeness, definitely Nebraska's figured something out. And it, what, another reason why I'm not surprised that Mathis picked Nebraska was because the way he was treated during Nebraska spring game. Never seen anything like it. The proverbial red carpet was rolled out. And everywhere O'Shawn Mathis went, there were like a flock of people around him. They had him standing at the 50-yard line doing selfies. And like it was almost like there was a documentary being filmed of him just for a spring game visit. I mean, he had the who's who shaking his hand, loving him up, and uh, Jason Peters talking to his family, and then, you know, Johnny Rogers, or yeah, Johnny Rogers was over there. Uh, Mike Rogier was over there, like rubbing shoulders, and then he's pointing out, like, all the stuff that's on the signage at Memorial Stadium. We won that championship. We did that. I played with him. You know, they really loved him up to the nth degree. And I'm sure with the way that they loved on him, maybe with what the team presented in terms of his role for Nebraska, and then ultimately what they could do for him from a name, image, and likeness standpoint, they got him. Here are the basics. He's an edge rusher, 6'5", 260 pounds, picked Nebraska over Texas. His hometown just happens to be 20 minutes away from Austin. His career at TCU, 135 tackles, 30 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks, 
Two-time second-team All-Big 12. The Athletic called him the best available player in the NCAA transfer portal. And I believe that quote came out uh, about a month ago. So, huge get. Huge get for Nebraska. You know, shout out Sean Callahan with Husker Online. They had him on for an interview last night. I listened to that. And you talked about that spring game and the treatment. One of the, his biggest things that, I mean, obviously there, there has to be a nil factor, name, image, likeness. But the biggest thing he liked about Nebraska over Texas was the incredible fan support and the way they treated him like a king that Saturday in early April. Also, getting away from his home state probably plays a factor here too, right? If he goes to, uh, to and Texas. And he had his mom's permission to yeah, leave that, Texas. That, yeah, mom, you got to do what mama wants you to do sometimes. But I think if he goes to Texas, especially considering the state of the Longhorns program, there would be incredible pressure for him to perform and help that program get back on its feet. Going to Nebraska, is there pre- that there will be pressure, but not to that enormity. So I think O'Shawn Mathis can come here and, you know, if he hits, he hits. Maybe he helps this program get back into a, a national player. If not, maybe you just go ball out and you end up getting a really good draft pick. I mean, he's got year. the stats coming from a Power 5 program. This isn't a can he, can he do it. But, but he's going to be taking on the offensive lineman of the Big Ten, which is different than the offensive yep. lineman of the Big 12. And I think that if I had to guess what Eric Chenander and Scott Frost said in terms of what it's going to look like, O'Shawn Mathis playing in Nebraska, I'm guessing that they clicked on the Central Florida film. And they looked at uh, Shaq uh, Griffin, Griffin, the way that they used him. And he ended up getting a pretty good draft pick. And he became a national name just because the way that they used him off of the edge. I don't know that Nebraska's had that since this coaching staff has been here. A lot of their pass rush has come from the defensive end spot, not the outside linebacker spot. So I think to show him what he can do, I think they went straight to UCF film in 2017, 2018, whichever year that was that they went undefeated, and said, boom, this, this is how we're going to use you. And the way that we believe this can work it can really benefit you from an individual stats perspective, and it can benefit the team. Great. Nebraska has a big hole to fill on the interior of its defensive line. But if you're just looking at the edge, the rotation of O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, along with what you might be able to get from Blaze Gunnarsson and Jamari Butler, those are five names that will excite Husker fans. I think there's the potential for Nebraska to finally finally start pressuring the quarterback more than they have been the last four to five years. And the strength of the defense, you know, last year it was the veteran secondary. Well, a lot of those guys are now gone. So what is the strength of the defense? And at the moment, it's a giant question mark. Now, after getting O'Shawn Mathis, one player with the resume that he has, you could say the strength of the defense may be the pass rush. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I don't think it's just hyperbole to say, this could be Nebraska's best pass rusher since Randy Gregory. I think that's fair to say because they haven't. They're, who is really in that they conversation? Really it, it, it's just been an area of weakness for the program over the past uh, six, seven, eight years. Uh, and plus, look at the NFL. What are these NFL teams trying to do defensively? They're trying to get a, get a good pass rush. And look so, at the first ten picks of the NFL draft. Exactly right. So that's where Nebraska kind of took the form of the NFL and saying, "Listen, we're going to build our defense from the edge." Out and that's why they went all in, full court press times ten, on trying to get O'Shawn. And I know they have uh, they have their eye on a few defensive tackle, transfer portal names. 
landing an O'Shawn Mathis on the edge could help sway some of those other people. Yeah, that peer recruiting aspect, right? right? We're starting to see that with Nebraska basketball as they pursue Baylor Shireman. You know, Sam Greasel is the one that's leading the parade to try to and get. We'll, yeah, we'll end on that. Put out a top five today. And Nebraska's on there. So is Creighton. So is Duke. Clemson, and who's the other one I'm leaving out? Arkansas. Arkansas. Those are the five that are still on the running for Baylor Shireman. But he has the two and the NBA. Schools. And he could always just go to the NBA. And the NBA. All right, that'll do it for us this week. For Kevin Suits, I'm Bill Shammer. This has been the End Report Podcast. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app.